Uh, Colossians 1, verses 18 to 23, and I'm going to read it now. Paul writes, And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Uh, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, as we hear the gospel, would you help me as I look to proclaim it and proclaim this passage? And would you help all of us as we hear it? Would you speak to each one of us by the power of your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder how you would summarize what your life is all about. What is your life all about? One novel way to come up with the answer to that is to get your phone, don't do it right now, but to get your phone, go to text messages and go to compose a new message. But rather than actually writing anything, to just press the predictive word button on your phone and just keep pressing it and see what happens. Okay, and after a while, as you keep pressing it, what happens? Generally, your text message will start to repeat itself. Uh, So Susanna and I, we had a go on this the other day. And uh, here is Susanna's purely predictive text. Thanks for praying for me today. And I pray for all of you all the time and praying for you both to pray for you and your family and praying for you all and praying for you and your family. And so it goes on. As you can see, Susanna's life, what's it all about? Prayer. How about my life? Uh, Here we go, according to predictive text. This is my life. Not sure if you have had a good or you or me know if you want to come to see me tomorrow morning. Or tomorrow morning if you want to come to get me your lunch. Or tomorrow morning if you want to get me your lunch. And so it goes on. So there we go. There we have it. Susanna's life all about prayer. My life all about lunch. Now, how would you summarize? Not so much your life. Not so much my life, not so much Susanna's life, but how would you summarize life as a whole? What is life as a whole all about? You see, I've called this sermon series The Big Picture, and we've been looking and thinking about what it is for you and I to get a clear vision on what life is all about. And if you've been here the last uh, couple of weeks, you'll remember I've used the illustration of going to the optician, having an eye test, and they stick those funny uh, glasses on you, and they've got all sorts of slots in front of your eyes, uh, and they put all sorts of different lenses in front of your eyes, and eventually, with a whole combination of different lenses, suddenly you can see crystal clear. And in a sense, that is what we've been trying to do in this series, to put these different lenses in front of us to help us see life, help us see the world crystal clear. Uh, The first lens that we looked at two weeks ago, it was the created lens. We put the created lens in. We said there is a creator God that we have been created, and we are in a wonderful, breathtaking world. That's the first lens that we looked at two weeks ago. If you like Genesis 1 and 2, 
Then last week, we added a second lens, and not just the created lens, but also the broken lens. We added the broken lens, and we said, well, this world, it is out of kilter with God. That you and I, we are out of kilter with God. And as a consequence of that, there are all these different types of broken relationship that we experience. If you like, that lens is Genesis 3, the fall. And next week, in the final session in this sermon series, we're going to look at the very end. We're going to go to the end of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. I'm going to look at the very end there and look at where things finish. And that'll be the fourth, final lens. But today's the big one. What is the lens that you and I, what do we need to look through that best summarizes everything in the Bible that isn't the first three chapters and the last three chapters? What is the lens that best summarizes all of that? What's that lens? And if there is one word that I would say best summarizes what life is all about, one word that best summarizes what all of this in the Bible is all about, that one word, it is not lunch, it's not even prayer, that one word would be reconciliation. Reconciliation. Reconciliation, that is the act of bringing two warring parties together. Bringing peace where there has been brokenness. Reconciliation. I remember a fascinating article in the Times, it was a couple of years ago now, by Janice Turner. And she was slating Richard Dawkins. Dawkins had been asked on Twitter whether a woman should abort her fetus if she discovered that it had Down syndrome. And Dawkins had replied on Twitter, and he'd said this, abort it and try again. It would be immoral to bring it into the world if you have the choice. And then Janice Turner's article, it continued with a discussion of her views, that there should be no definitive pronouncements, there should be no moral absolutes to let the mother choose whether to keep the baby or not. And then she finished her article by writing this fascinating sentence. She wrote this. She said, if you dethrone God, you create a vacuum. How tempting for Dawkins to fill it himself. If you dethrone God, you create a vacuum. How tempting for Dawkins to fill it himself. And in many ways, it's a really, really wise comment. It is the heart of sin. The heart of sin is dethroning God and taking God's place. But perhaps what Janice Turner didn't realize is that like Dawkins, she also was dethroning God and taking God's place with her insistence on no moral absolutes. And you and I, every day, we are guilty of dethroning God and taking God's place when we put ourselves at the center of our universe. And what we saw last week as we looked at Genesis 3, was the consequences of dethroning God and taking his place. Adam and Eve taking the fruit, wanting to be like God, dethroning him. And we saw the consequences, you'll remember if you were here, in terms of broken relationships. Four types of broken relationship. Broken relationship out to others, disunity. Broken relationship in with ourselves, distress. Broken relationship down to the world, difficulty. And broken relationships up to God, death in our relationship with God. There's a, there's a cartoon of um, two angels. And these two angels, they're floating above the earth and they're looking down at the earth and all the brokenness. And one of the angels says to the other one, they say, do you think 
if we turn it off and then we turn it on again, it'll reboot itself. But the problem is it won't. And the problem is we won't. We need fixing. This world needs fixing. And that fixing, it must come from outside of ourselves. And the wonderful big picture on life, the wonderful big picture on this world is that that reconciliation, it has been made possible by God. You'll see the word reconciliation, it comes twice in our little passage in Colossians. Just have a look, it's going to come up on the screen, the two verses it comes. First of all, verse 20. Verse 20 says, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Then two verses uh, later, verse 22, but now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. So here, if you like, is the, the simple summary of this evening. It is this. Reconciliation was achieved through Jesus' death on the cross. That's a simple summary. Reconciliation, it was achieved through Jesus' death on the cross. That is what both of those verses say. You see, the first Adam, the first Adam, he dethroned God and he took God's place. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, Jesus got off his rightful throne as God and took our place on the cross. Through the first Adam, sin spread its tentacles over everything, over all those four broken relationships. But through the second Adam, Jesus, reconciliation spreads its healing powers just as widely. And we're going to look tonight at the healing power of reconciliation. The healing power of reconciliation in three of those four broken relationships. We're going to look at three tonight, and then one, the world. We're going to look at that next week. So let's start with the one that all the other ones stem from. Our broken relationship up to God that is characterized by death. Death in our relationship with God. If you look at verse 21 in the passage, have a look at verse 21. We're described there, and it's not particularly pleasant. We are described as alienated from God... We are described as God's enemies in verse 21. But because of verse 22, because of Jesus' death, when we were enemies, because of Jesus' death, we can be God's friends. It is a staggering transformation to say, you and I, we can be friends with God. I wonder if you can picture what you might have seen if you'd been at the temple in Jerusalem on the day that Jesus died. I'm sure many of you will know that if you've been at the temple on that day, you would have seen a curtain in the temple. You'd have seen a curtain in the temple hiding the Holy of Holies, declaring that no one could enter into God's presence and be friends with a holy God. There was that big curtain there. But do you know what you would have seen embroidered into that curtain? Embroidered into that curtain, you would have seen cherubim. God's angelic attendance. Exodus 36, verse 35, tells us that cherubim were embroidered into the curtain that hung in the temple. And do you remember, if you were here last week, do you remember what God placed at the entrance to the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve had been chucked out of it? Genesis 3, verse 34, what did God place there? Cherubim. 
You see, just as with God's presence in the Garden of Eden, so with God's presence in the temple, the cherubim are there. Both places, the cherubim are there, acting as if you like a giant no-entry sign. And when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain with its embroidered cherubim, it was torn in two from top to bottom. God himself tearing open the way into his presence, tearing open the way to the tree of life. Friendship with God possible once more. Just like Adam and Eve experienced in the Garden of Eden. And as we'll see next week, that friendship, it is an eternal friendship. A friendship that goes on forever. If you look at verse 18, Jesus is described as the firstborn from among the dead. He's the firstborn. Others will follow him. Jesus, if you like, he is the the pioneer of a resurrection people. Where death is not the end and where you and I, we can know eternal life, eternal friendship with God. How about, secondly, broken relationships out to others? Out to others where there is currently disunity. You see, Jesus' death, it doesn't just bring reconciliation between us and God, but it also brings reconciliation between each other. If you look at verse 18, it tells us that Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church. He, if you like, glues his people together. Now, it, it doesn't always work perfectly now. But when the church is working well, the church is the best example of social integration on the planet. In 2014, uh, there was a study done by Oxford University, and it was investigating what are the best places for bringing together, for uniting people of different backgrounds. And when it was measured in terms of ethnicity and in terms of social background, churches scored far more highly than any other group setting, scored more highly than sporting events, than pubs, than clubs, than other religious and social institutions. The church scored most highly. And you know, whether it's between ethnic groups, whether it's between different social classes, whether it's just between two warring individuals, it is Jesus' death that brings the power and the motivation to work for forgiveness, to work for fellowship, rather than brokenness and disunity. Later in this letter of Colossians, Paul writes a bit more about it. Colossians 3, verse 13, he says this. He says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive, why? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, Jesus' reconciling work on the cross, that is what empowers our reconciling work with one another. And then third, third, what about the broken relationship in with ourselves? This relationship that is so often characterized by distress. Do you remember Adam and Eve covering up with the fig leaves in distress, in shame? But what do we read here? Have a look at verse 22, would you? Verse 22. Paul writes, but now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. 
And I would love you just to feast on those words. They are the most incredible words where you and I, where we can so easily feel guilty, where we can so easily feel worthless, when we can so easily feel ashamed, Jesus' death means that before God, you can be holy. Before God, you can be without blemish. Before God, you can be free from accusation. Now again, as with our relationships with others, in this life, reconciliation with ourselves, it's not perfect, it's not complete. Amongst us here, some of us will think far too highly of ourselves. Some of us will think far too lowly of ourselves. Most of us probably think both of those most of the time. We need to put in place that fourth and final lens, and we'll do that next week. But I'd love us just to see this. If you look at verse 19, verse 19 tells, tells us that God had all his fullness dwell in Jesus. And then later, just in the next chapter, chapter 2 of Colossians, Paul repeats that idea. It's going to come up on the screen. Have a look at it. He says, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That's the same as chapter 119. And then he says this, And you, the Christian, you have been given fullness in Christ. You. You have been given fullness in Christ. You see, you and I, we may feel lacking. We may feel feeble in all sorts of ways. We may feel unholy. We may feel there's plenty of blemishes in us. But in Christ, we read here, we have been given fullness. We are not lacking. So you see, when we say to someone, become a Christian, we are not saying, come and be a bit odd. We're not saying, come and stop having fun. We're not saying, come and be super spiritual. When we say to someone, become a Christian, we are saying, come and be human. We're saying, come and be full. Come and be fully human. In a sense, more human than you are at the moment. If you leave Jesus Christ out of the equation, we will always be less than we could be. For we are given fullness in Christ. We are saying, come and be all that your creator intended you to be. Now, for the majority of us here this evening, we accepted that reconciliation through Jesus' death at some point in the past. But the tragedy is, we did it in the past, but reconciliation, being reconciled with God, is no longer the thing that our life is all about. It's no longer the thing. Just look at how Paul finishes this passage. Look again at verse 22. He says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. Then look what he says. Verse 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. And I want to say tonight to you and to myself, is verse 23 you? Is it me? Are you continuing in your faith? Are you established and firm? Are you not moving from the hope held out in the gospel? Or actually, are we not that excited about the gospel anymore? 
Are we actually not letting that the healing powers of reconciliation spread through all our relationships? Is reconciliation no longer the thing that comes up when we press the predictive text button on our life? And if that's true of you, can I encourage you tonight, would you pray with someone? Would you pray with someone and ask them to pray that once again, reconciliation would be what your life is all about. Up to God, out with others, and in with yourself. You often hear people say, you know, when I die, I hope I die some way that's sort of short and sharp, a heart attack or something, so that it's not sort of painful and drawn out. Okay, if you heard people say that, you probably said it yourself. A friend of mine who's, who's also a church pastor was saying recently he was meeting with someone who, who wasn't yet a Christian and had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And, and they'd been asking him all sorts of questions about how to be reconciled with God. Uh, and then this person who had cancer had said to my friend, he said, I'm so glad that I've got cancer and my death is being drawn out because now I'm actually able to think about getting reconciled with God. And this bloke said, the one with cancer, he said, if it had been a heart attack, I wouldn't have had this opportunity. Now, surprising words, words opposite to what we often hear, but actually words with totally the right perspective. And so how could that person, how could any of us here, how can we be reconciled with God? And as I close, I'm just going to take a simple illustration I've used before. In fact, I've even used it yesterday if you're at Rory and Hannah's wedding. Uh, And that is of two chairs. Uh, This chair here is going to represent God. And this chair here is going to represent you or me. Uh, And what we've seen in the last two weeks is we've put the, the created lens in and the broken lens in. Actually, if we've just got those two lenses, the problem is these are two warring parties. They are two warring parties because we have turned our backs on God. We've dethroned God. We've taken his place. And God, who is totally holy, cannot look on sin, so he has to turn his back on us. But what we see with putting this lens in this evening, the reconciliation lens, we see that when Jesus died on the cross, reconciliation, it was achieved. Reconciliation was achieved because God was able to turn around and face us because God in Jesus had taken our punishment in our place. You see, from God's perspective, reconciliation, it was achieved at the cross. God can turn around to face us. But from our perspective, or from that person with cancer's perspective, Reconciliation, it does not wait on human achievement, but merely on human acceptance. You see, what means that we turn around like this? It isn't about, oh, be really good, and then we can turn around. It isn't, oh, go to church, and then we can turn around. It isn't, get baptized, and then we can turn around. Reconciliation does not wait on human achievement. No, merely on human acceptance. It is as you or I or that person dying of cancer. 
It is as we accept what God has done in Jesus on the cross. It's as we accept that and the wonder of it that we turn round and become God's friends rather than God's enemies. And as I close this evening, if you are here, and if you like that man dying with cancer, if you know that you are not yet reconciled with God, if you're not yet friends with him, I want to urge you with every fiber of my being to simply accept that reconciliation. To accept that reconciliation that is offered to you. Would you choose even tonight to turn around? To turn around to face God. Would you choose to be friends with God today? Because Jesus Christ has won that reconciliation for you on the cross. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of acceptance. Much like when you get invited to a party, you've got to accept it. You've got to RSVP it. And um, I'm going to pray a prayer that if you would like to accept Jesus, accept his offer of reconciliation, if you want to be friends with God, this is a prayer that you might like to pray in your heart tonight. Dear Lord God, I'm sorry that I've had my back to you in life. I'm sorry that I've so often dethroned you and sat on the throne myself. And tonight I acknowledge you as the one who rightfully should sit on the throne of my life of this world. Lord God, I thank you so much for your love for me and that I can be reconciled with you because Jesus died for me in my place. And so, Lord God, I accept you today. I turn to you. I want to be friends with you. And Lord, please come into my life by the power of your spirit. And may I experience more and more what it is to be fully human as you intended me to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's just keep our, our, our eyes closed just for a moment and just to continue in that attitude of prayer. And for some people tonight, actually that would have been a significant prayer for you. Maybe to pray for the first time. Maybe actually you know that you have just been far away from God. And actually you're saying, I long to be friends with you. And if that's you, maybe just as people have got their eyes closed, you might like just to raise your hand. Say, that was me, I prayed that prayer not going to make you do anything stupid. I'm just going to pray a prayer for all those that raised their hands. So if that was a prayer you prayed, just raise your hand now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Let me pray. Remember in Jesus' parables, some of his parables, he says there's such rejoicing in heaven when one person turns to be friends with him. And so, Lord, we pray with rejoicing. We pray with thankfulness for those people who have just turned to you now, who have said, I want to be friends with you. And we pray for them right now. We pray that you protect them. We pray that you bless them. We pray that you would help them to continue in their faith, to be established and firm, and that all through their life, they would not move from the hope held out in the gospel. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Shall we stand? Let's stand. The band are going to come up. As the band come up, we're going to have a a chance to respond uh, by singing praise to God. But also, as we do here, we're going to have a chance to respond by being prayed for. And if you tonight would like prayer in terms of that reconciliation, if you know the, the healing powers of reconciliation, you would love them to be spreading over your life more. You'd love God to be at work in reconciling you more and more up to him. Or maybe there's a difficult friendship where there's disunity and you would love reconciliation to see that in your life with some person. Or maybe reconciliation in yourself where there's distress, where there's difficulty, where there's shame. I wonder particularly actually if there are people here tonight and actually, yeah, you prayed that prayer a long time ago. But actually you know that you haven't been living out verse 23. It hasn't been you. You haven't been continuing your faith, established and firm. You have moved from the hope held out in the gospel. And you'd love someone to pray for you tonight, that you might uh, be experiencing and growing closer again to the Lord God. So if that's you, if you value prayer tonight, do uh, come out. And I wonder if some of the prayer team might come out now uh, as we respond in song.